So you do still have to learn how to swim, but you don't have to dive into the deep end. You can wade into media. You can wade into PR. I love that. I love that permission slip. I think that's going to be really liberating for some of our listeners to go, oh, okay, I'm not going to be on Oprah tomorrow. Right, right. And if you are, then take that opportunity because I don't think there's a better platform than that. <laughs> Get over your if you're on Oprah, Oprah tomorrow, tell her that we both say hi. <laughs> exactly. Like, Welcome to Too Legitimate to Quit, instantly actionable small business strategies with a pop culture spin. I am your host, Annie P. Ruggles, and my guest today is Krista Chavez-Marte of A La Carte Media Consulting. Krista is a long-term agency vet who wanted to strip away all the unnecessary barriers and add-ons that make agencies cost prohibitive for certain brands. By eliminating overhead and long-term contracts, Krista provides an affordable, individualized, pay-for-what-you-want business model that can accommodate projects of any size. And I have to mention this. I found this on her website. Krista likes dogs, travel, pizza, podcasts, hey, reality TV, and seasonal candy like Peeps and candy corn, but dislikes raisins, water parks, centipedes, getting squished in the Chicago Transit Authority, I feel that one, and cats. Hmm. Welcome to Too Legitimate to Quit. Krista, how the heck are you? I am wonderful. I'm like plugging away, trying to get everything out of the way before Thanksgiving. I'm going to drink all day tomorrow. Yes. Can't complain. Good for you. (laughs) Good for you. Yeah. Our guests may have now realized that we are recording this the day before Thanksgiving. So wherever you are, Whatever month this actually airs in, <laughs> I hope that you are um, eating well, drinking well, and practicing gratitude. But today, I want to know from you, Krista, what do small business owners need to know this week? Yeah, so the biggest thing they need to know is not to be afraid of paid media. I think a lot of times small business owners tend to kind of default to their own channels, like their social channels, maybe Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. And they feel like having their message on those pages or within those social vehicles um, is enough to kind of carry them through. I think the thought of investing in media sometimes sounds like you have to spend millions and billions of dollars. It's going to be really daunting. Um, But really, that's not the case. I think, you know, the, the biggest thing is that it's good and you definitely should be active in your own channels. I think that's the way you kind of build your brand. You build that community with your followers. But your followers are people that already like you. So they're not really going to grow your business. Um, they're either already using your business or they're your friends or family. Um, so you want to sustain those relationships, but if you really want to go beyond that and kind of prospect, um, you really do need to reach net new consumers. Um, and the way to do that is, is paid advertising. So it doesn't have to be expensive. I think what really they need to think about is, you know, what are your objectives? Are your main objectives to get your name out there and kind of start building that awareness? Are you looking to, you know, drive fast and serious leads? 
Um, and then from there, you can kind of figure out and prioritize what channels make the most sense. So, you know, for example, if you're a fairly known brand, um, but you're looking to kind of have some growth, your name is probably already out there. Maybe you want to focus on some of those lower funnel channels like search or paid social lead generation, et cetera. Um, if you're a new brand, maybe you need to focus a little bit more on awareness. So maybe it's looking at streaming video or TV. Um, you can kind of get really creative. And I think the other thing is you don't always have to go um, big. You can kind of decide, you know, maybe I want to focus on media every other month or a couple weeks out of the year so that you're not spreading your budget too thin if you are limited. So there are definitely hacks that you can do um, to be able to have a meaningful media plan without you know, bankrupting yourself um, in, in doing so. I love that you broke that down by business phase, right? Because it really does not only evolve, but it also kind of cycles, right? Where we, when we exhaust our pool, then we got to start the cycle over again, go back to the beginning, do more grassroots, go and do all of these different things to repopulate the pool. But it's so interesting because yes, like I, I had a client reach out to me today about really intensive PR and getting an agent and all of these things, but her business is brand new. And so I gave her similar advice to what you just said, which was at this point, focus on brand awareness, not only focusing on brand awareness so that, you know, she's filling that initial pool of raving fans. She's augmenting friends and family campaigns with some fresh blood, but it also, I think, is an invaluable way to figure out what you're actually freaking saying when you realize you're actually freaking saying it <laughs> to people. Do you see that? Do you see that in your work where, you know, people that are evolving find side benefits of working with the media? They polish their pitches because they have to, or they build a new program. How do you see um, media propelling people in ways that they may not expect? Yeah, so I think um, you, you were right on point in the advice that you gave to your friend. Um, really, if, if you're going to make an investment in advertising or paid media in any capacity, you really need to make sure that you're you're tight in what your message is going to be. Um, because if you're putting in that money, but the message you're putting out there is off-brand or really isn't in line with what your intention is, you're kind of just throwing your money away. So it's you know doing media for the sake of doing media. So. Yeah, you're 100% accurate in that one. So, you know, one thing that I that I can imagine, both in my in my own business and my own relationship with media and even doing this podcast, but also working with so many clients who grapple with this, how do you see imposter syndrome or perfectionism show up in this space? And do you have any advice for people who hear about the idea of being interviewed on something or being quoted in something and their immediate response is just terror? Yeah, so it, it's a great question. I think I've kind of struggled with the same thing. I'm someone who's always worked at large agencies, um, you know, the past 15 years. So I actually just spawned off on my own uh, two months ago. So I'm in the process of PRing and mediaing myself as well. So I think I'm a customer as well as um, a leader in this topic. Um, but I would say, you know, to anyone who's nervous about it, um, really don't be. Um, I think generally people are nice and welcoming. And if they're not, you know, fuck them. You don't want those people as your customer anyway. Um, so, so yeah, I would say do it. Get yourself out there. And if you are gun shy about yourself, there are a lot of ways to do it that are a little bit more discreet. So, for example, you know, with social channels, you can use quotes. You don't have to use your face um, with 
same, I guess it's true with any channel. You could do audio like podcasts or even streaming radio. Um, you could be on TV and still use graphics. So I think there are ways to get yourself out there without having it to be your face and your voice if that's not something that you know, that business owner is comfortable with at the time. So you do still have to learn how to swim, but you don't have to dive into the deep end. You can wade into media. You can wade into PR. I love that. I love that permission slip. I think that's going to be really liberating for some of our listeners to go, oh, okay, I'm not going to be on Oprah tomorrow. Right, right. And if you are, then take that opportunity because I don't think there's a better platform than that. <laughs> Get over your If you're on Oprah, Oprah tomorrow, tell her that we both say hi. <laughs> exactly. Like, <laughs> Give her a hug for me. <laughs> One of the things that I, that I hear over and over again is that people really want to appeal to this massive audience. And we understand why, right? It's a numbers game. We want to mm-hmm. get our messages out there. But people are like, well, if what I'm going to say is not going to be, you know, universally received by hundreds of thousands of people overnight, then why do it? Right. Mm -hmm. Kind of in that vein. So my my question is, what about people with really um, countercultural opinions, with industry bucking trends, with. You know, like we've already dropped an F-bomb in this podcast. What if, I mean, obviously you're not going to say fucking Forbes, but (laughs) what would you say to people who do not think that they have wide reaching appeal? How do they find their people? Is it still worth doing if you're not for everybody? Yeah, that's a really great question. And, And yes, they can absolutely still be out there in the media. So what I would say, and I think this is what's really great about, you know, the world right now is it's really digital, which means media channels are really addressable. So for example, on channels like social or display, anything that has digital bones, um, you're able to actually target your audience based on interest, based on likes, based on search behavior, um, you know, anything along those lines, competitors they like, you can really get specific with who you're talking to so that you're not wasting your message on, you know, if you're kind of someone that's a little bit edgy, you're not wasting it on a group that's maybe very like religious or vice versa. You can really kind of focus in on that um, and get the message in front of people who are going to have a propensity to like you and your brand, um, which also, I mean, the, the side benefit to that is, is cost savings, right? Because you're not having that waste by sending this huge message to the masses. So yeah, it's, it's very exciting time to be the advertising. Amen mm-hmm. to that. Piece of trivia. Don't know why I'm mentioning this, but you know, maybe <laughs> listeners will like it. Um, my first book was banned by the Christian Bloggers Association of America because it had the words hell and damn in it, um, which... I love me, my Christians, but that was my first major rejection. It felt like my first major rejection. And I actually sold a lot of books because I told people yeah. I had been banned by the Christian Bloggers <laughs> Association. No, you're right. So, you can you know. totally spin it that way. Yeah, you're right. Everybody, not yeah. everyone, but a lot of people love a rebel. So you're right. I think sometimes a ban can be yeah. one of your best PR tricks, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, and then later, I mean, years later this year, I was running a free course called Selling Isn't Satanic. And I was told that that was offensive to Satanists who are now an organized religion. So the way I look at it <laughs> is I just offend everybody. Right. Equal. Equal opportunity offender. Right. So you know <laughs> what? You too can offend 
everybody. I love it. But you know, everyone has their own taste. Everyone has their own voice. Everyone has their own audience and it all comes together so beautifully, which reminds me of the pop culture topic that you and I are discussing today. Something near and dear to my heart. Krista, what the heck does paid advertising and paid media have to do with curating an epic vinyl collection? <laughs> well, um, it has a lot to do with it, I guess. Um, so really, I mean, I know we were talking a little bit about this before, but I am a huge vinyl junkie. Um, my husband and I have like 500 different records across every genre. Like literally we have some really cool shit. We also have more Andy Williams than I'd like to admit um, because we were gifted records by family. I think that's the other cool part is you kind of like spend a lot of money buying records, but people also give you records. And so, yeah, we have something for everyone, but really I think the way it ties in best is that everyone has different tastes. Um, so, you know, if we have my family coming over, we kind of tailor our tastes to them. My mom loves Fleetwood Mac. My dad loves the Beatles. We're going to play those. Um, if some of my friends come over, they're a little bit like more avant-garde. We have some really weird stuff like Quintron, um, which is insane. If you've never heard of it, check it out. It's the weirdest, but really cool. Um, we'll play something like that. So it, it's, I think that's the really cool part is, is media is kind of the same way, right? When you're looking to place a media by, um, you're obviously going to go to channels where your target is going to be. So you're kind of tailoring your buy to their taste. Same if you come over to my house, you know, if, if this pandemic ever lifts, um, we kind of tailor our, our music taste to our audience. I love that. I absolutely love that. Um, I feel like my husband and I with, with my collection do that sometimes but I think we also do also be like and now you got to hear this oh. weird thing and then we just like we we tease them with their Fleetwood mm -hmm. Mac or Beatles equivalent like your parents yeah and then we're like but now we're going to listen to 1972 congressional speeches yeah. why <laughs> because we can like, Annie, this is terrible like why are you doing this to me yeah but I also love the idea of of that inherited audience right because you're going to learn things from your own audience they're gonna say oh, you would be so good with this person or have you read this book that stuff happens all the time mm -hmm. where we put something out there and they go oh if you love that you really want to go this and so that's why it's so important also that when you're doing media when you're audience building that you're still finding ways to listen because that's how you discover new things and I love that like you said was it Andy Williams you have more yes. Andy Williams yeah you like to admit I think like 10 to 20. the amount <laughs> the amount of Neil Diamond in oh. this house is amazing and at least you received a bunch of records as a gift I went into my parents cabinet yeah when I was like right out of college and I just came like a bat in the night and Stole everything. <laughs> everything. There's freaking Lawrence Welk in there. Oh, yeah. There's Engelbert Humperdinck <laughs> in there. And my parents are freaking cool. Like, there's a lot of great stuff. My oh, dad yeah. introduced me to the Great American Songbook. My mom introduced me to freaking classic oldies Motown. and Motown and everything else. But I but I go through every now and then and I'm like, <laughs> what is this? Yeah. What? What on earth? But you know, you can also find value in anything. So, is there a lesson there also about you know broadening your collection to see what might be? Yeah. Like, should everything with paid mat with paid advertising and should every or sorry paid advertising or paid media should everything on that 
be pretty genre matchy matchy or should you start to experiment with some crossovers some compilations some greatest hit anthologies what do you think about that <laughs> yeah no you're you're absolutely right i think one of the issues that people are I guess maybe it's more of a trap that certain clients or brands fall into is that they're so married to who they think their target is that sometimes they don't want to test beyond that but you're right i think you know, a lot of times we'll find that, you know, with certain brands, maybe they think their target is women 18 to 49 who have kids and, you know, live in the suburbs. But after running ads, especially like from a digital standpoint, you might see that the people that are actually engaging with your ads are not that. Maybe it's also men who live in the country who have four dogs. Um, so yeah, I think you're 100% right. You 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 want to be, you want to start with your target and where you think they are. And, and I think that's the best starting point because at least you're being mindful of that. But then you need to be open to kind of where your engagement takes you or where, you know, your brand can go. Because a lot of times you will find that beyond, you know, beyond where you think you were, um, there are people that are just as interested and you don't want to um, kind of ostracize them. So totally, totally with you on that. One of my favorite quotes to just kind of jokingly throw out all the time is Walt Whitman from Song of Myself. He says, I'm vast. I contain multitudes. And I feel like my musical taste is probably, and my vinyl collection as a physical representation of that, is a pretty clear uh, indicator that I contain at least musical taste multitudes uh, because there's, you know, there's black metal in there right next to, you know, Mavis Staples, right next Mm -hmm. to a country album that Dean Martin did right next to, right? So I think that's the other thing is in addition to, to branching outside, don't like fully outside, it's okay if your style, your tone, and your audience encompasses different groups, like what you're talking about. Like, it may be really, really huge with sophisticated urban women, and it may also, for whatever reason, really appeal to the dudes in the trucks. Mm-hmm. You know, it really might. And so so don't, don't self-limit, right? Don't, don't self-censor and say, oh, that person will never love me. It's that delicate dance of, let's try this. Once I'm established, once my brand is established, let's try something new. Is that, is that true in your case? Yes. Do you see that in Um, your client work? I do. Yeah, absolutely. I think it really is. And that's one of the things that I always, you know, push my clients to do too, is you want to kind of establish a base, whether that be with your client or which the types of channels you're using. But then from there, you do always want to constantly be having or running a cycle of testing and learning so that you can really expand and learn and grow. And you're, you're going to have to keep doing that. You don't want to be stale. You want to make sure that you're constantly you know, finding those new audiences wherever they are, um, but in a way that feels safe, right? You don't want it to be super risky. So that's why I say iterative test and learning um, in a way that is smart and, um, and contained. Oof. Smart and contained. <laughs> Yeah, I, I know. I love <laughs> that word contained. No, no, that's excellent. <laughs> Tell me more about what you mean by contained. Lean into that fabulous because I yeah, got to know more about sure. that. So, yeah, part of, I mean, part of my nature as a, as a media nerd is to be very um, structured in terms of, of how things are set up. So when I think about testing, I think that can sound scary. It sounds big. It sounds broad. But I think really being very specific with what you're t- trying to test, making sure you're isolating that setting you, you know, you know, your hypothesis in place and, and making sure that you're easily able to kind of measure those results. Because I think another thing that, that brands can fall into is 
you know, over testing, um, but not necessarily learning or applying those learnings. It's sort of like, here's this new shiny thing I want to test. Here's this one thing I want to know. And you're kind of just running all of these different tests at once and not really taking the time to really see what the outcome is and actually like react to that. It's sort of more just like, we want to do it all. We want to try it all. I have one big, big question and one little question for you. My big, big question is, um, you hear a lot about the that PR kind of has a bad rap because people are like, oh, I spent all my money and I got this quote and like nothing came of it. I didn't get any leads. I didn't get whatever. Do you have any tips um, for anybody out there who is either doing it themselves for right now or they're looking to hire someone like you to give them that leg up? Um, is there any tip that you have to help them maximize return on their media presence? Yeah, and it's kind of a loaded question because you're right. I think it also sort of depends on where your brand is, right? Like if you're a brand new brand, um, it's a lot of brands, um, and you're going into paid media or PR, um, it's going to take a little bit while, a little bit longer to have your message actually reach an audience and resonate, right? Like this is their first time hearing about you. So you may not see big physical returns right away. You may need a little bit of time for that message to be seated in market. So I think when it's someone like that, you really just need to set expectations up front that you may get some leads, but it may also be, you know, a couple of months down the road and you're going to have to keep reinforcing that message um, and building that communication in order to see a return. Um, I think if it's a brand that's established, it's really just being upfront about, you know, what are you actually looking to measure? Because I think a lot of times people put a program into place, but maybe the expectation of the brand is different than what the expectation of the the agency was. So I think it's really just having that clear communication. And it sounds super obvious when you say it, but that doesn't always happen. So I think it's just be transparent. I mean, I think we all know that sometimes the most obvious seeming advice is actually the thing that wakes you up at three o'clock in the morning going, oh, duh. Absolutely. (laughs) No, and and I I think that all goes back to what you were talking about at the beginning, which is figuring out what your goals are. And also from a sales standpoint, because I teach sales, I'd say make sure you have something viable, right? Like if you're looking for a financial return on investment, make sure you have something that people can buy. So I love that. I have one more question for you before I release you off into the beautiful ether to do all of your magic, Mm -hmm. which is if you were going to pick one album in your collection to represent your brand, your whole brand, Mm -hmm. your whole thing, if someone said, okay, I need you to pitch me, but I need you to just send me one album and that's your pitch, what would you send? And you have to own it. Oh, my God. This could take me like two weeks to think about. But I would say, (laughs) you know what's going to happen is I'm going to give you an album name or an artist. And then I'm going to think about it for the rest of the day. And (laughs) Oh, you're going to think about it for the rest of your life. And you're welcome. You're welcome for that. I totally am. Um, So I will say I would. I'm going to say LCD sound system because we like to be, I don't know. Yeah. I'm going to say any of their albums because they're very uh, dancey, but they're also kind of chill and listenable listenable in a way. So I think in terms of my brand, like we want to be approachable um, and we want to make media, you know, something that isn't scary. Um, My goal isn't to like spit jargon at you, although sometimes I might, Um, I try not to, I try to make it easy. I'm going to be conversational. Um, I'm going to shoot it to you straight. So I feel like that's kind of like, 
I don't know the type of style that I would that I would want to take. Also, I just I love everything they do. So <laughs> I guess that's what I'm choosing. <laughs> that's a great answer and not at all something I would have guessed. So you killed it. <laughs> you nailed it. Yeah. And again, oh. you're talking about that blend of multiple tones. You're not trying to pigeonhole yourself. It moves from dancey to smooth to soothing to accessible to weird. It moves, it flows, and it allows the music to just go where it wants to go. Just like this beautiful episode. Krista, it has been a freaking <laughs> blast to have you on the show. I can't wait to go hug my own vinyl collection. What is a great way for people to start a conversation with you about paid advertising and paid media? Yeah, so the best way I would say is you could either go to our Instagram, which is our handle is at a la carte media consulting, or our website, which is a la carte media consulting.com. Um, and we have a contact um, field there. So either way is easy. We're, you know, always checking email and Instagram religiously. So we're quick to respond. So I'd love to hear from any of your, your listeners who are interested or curious about media. This has been great. Thank you so much. Oh, it's been my absolute pleasure. Everybody, I will be back in just a second with my final thought and your homework for this week. Well, hey there, listeners. I know today's episode was about PR and record collections, but really what's on my mind today is fish, specifically bluefish. Let me explain. A lot of us in our industries hang out with other people in our industries, right? Therapists hang out with therapists. Stylists hang out with stylists. Coaches hang out with coaches. MLMers hang out with MLMers. We spend a lot of time with our peers and our colleagues, and that is not a bad thing by any means because that is how you build brand recognition. So I'm not saying light your friends list on fire and start over. Absolutely not. But you may be blending in a bit too much. This is how it plays out. If I work at a cannery, of all places, I have a conveyor belt and all I see all day is fish, 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 fish. The same fish over and over. Maybe slight variations, nothing big, nothing major. And then suddenly this big, glorious blue fish comes down the conveyor belt. I'm going to stop. I'm going to take notice because it is so unusual and different in my day. Now, the way that this plays out in business is this. If I'm creating, say, a fine dining app, I want to know where the best fine dining in my town is, and I want it to be curated and all these things. Well, I send my fine dining app to a fine dining editor at all my favorite magazines and newspapers and blogs and all that, and here's what's going to happen. I'm going to wind up on a stack of other submissions of fine dining apps and fine dining-related services, much like all those uniform fish on the conveyor belt. But if I send the fine dining app to a sports writer, and here's the kicker, if I very clearly explain, I'm not sending this to them in error. It is not a mistake. If I can draw a clear connection, then that editor is going to take notice because it's simply not what they see all the time. Draw the line, draw the connection, stand out. 
Your homework today is to reach out into an industry where you do not normally go or an audience where you are not normally heard. Because if you draw the right connection, it will still be compelling. And even if the people listening are not directly your audience, I guarantee they have a friend, a spouse, a coworker who needs you. You still got to focus on your message because a whole lot of us are spending way too much time and way too much money marketing to an audience where we're just another plain old fish. Now it's time to stand out, which is surprisingly easier than you think. Too Legitimate to Quit is brought to you by the Non-Sleazy Sales Academy and me, your host, Annie P. Ruggles. If you struggle to sell, because you don't know how to put a price on all that goodness in you and you don't like the way that your competitors do it, I have great news for you. You can find my free challenge, Making Selling Easy Without Getting Sleazy, anytime at www.anniepruggles.com slash easy, not sleazy. Our show is edited and produced by Andrew Sims of Hypable. Our fabulous theme tune is by Riley Horbacio, who I found on Fiverr. Our gorgeous podcast art is by Francois Vigneault, who I found on Upwork. And our marketing team is led by the unbelievably life-saving Nick Bonitatibus. Don't forget to check today's show notes for more information about our fabulous guests, plus some continuing resources and some Etsy finds from other super fans of today's topic. All pop culture elements mentioned in this episode remain the sole intellectual property of their respective owners. I do not own them, so please don't sue me. 